Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, welcome to Hollywood Crime Scene. This is Rachel Fisher. Hi, this is Desi Jettikin. Um, Desi, I'd like to report a crime, a real-life crime that wow. happened in Hollywood two mm-hmm. nights ago to me. Okay. Not only did it happen in Hollywood, but it involved um, a crime. It involved a Hollywood actor in Hollywood. I was a victim of a crime at dinner the other night. I don't mean to like blow this whole story wide open, but um, my boyfriend, who's who's an actor, he took my phone from me and he tweeted some stuff that was very off brand from my phone. Was it off brand? (laughs) Here's the thing. Some people with a less discerning nose or taste might think oh it's dirty and gross so it's very on brand for Rachel but I feel like there's a very I have a finesse to the way that I tweet about nasty things Mm -hmm. and I just feel like my voice wasn't represented your boyfriend does not have that finesse (laughs) not when he's tweeting when he's drunk not when he's drunk tweeting from my phone listen drunk tweeting is an art form (laughs) as everyone knows (laughs) so I feel like um I just feel I just wanted to address that because I had some uh, at replies that I got about a tweet that was tweeted out about me peeing in someone's butt, which never happened. That's very Miranda July, right? Or is that that's pooping in someone's butt? What? Or wait, you never saw that movie? No. She has a movie. I can't remember. The kid says to someone, oh, man, I can't remember. I shouldn't say this without knowing what I'm talking about, but I'll still go on. It's something about I want to poop in your butt and then have it go back and forth between my butt to your butt and keep going like that forever. And it's like a valent, it's like a romantic kind of notion. I mean, obviously. (laughs) You should see my face right now. So, yeah. I mean, it's been done. (laughs) God, Brendan's just not that original. I'm really insulted now. I'm feeling all kinds of hurt. It's very indie movie, so I feel like. Don't well, worry about it. He was an indie movie star, so yeah. that's probably where he got it from. Maybe. I'm going to have to interview him about <laughs> that later. <laughs> anyway, I just need to get that off my chest. I just need to report um, that crime that happened. It can right. happen to all of us. No one's ever stolen my phone and tweeted under my name and lived to tell. And I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't even know. I, no one has my password for my phone. I can't have that. Right. There's things on there. <laughs> important gifts on there <laughs> um anyways so let's get to the real crime yeah uh, this week so this week we're going to talk to you about um bob crane rachel do you know who bob crane is i do <laughs> on a very popular show uh in the 60s right i believe uh-huh so well, anyways um so i'm gonna give you uh the rundown because he's probably uh I don't think he's super well-known, but he should be. I was actually surprised, um, pleasantly surprised, that a lot of our listeners had requested a Bob Crane yeah, episode. Yeah, I tweeted something when I was researching. I think it was... Uh, anyways, I'm not going to give it away, but I tweeted something about it, and everyone was like, oh, please tell me you're going to do Bob Crane. So it was kind of good, because sometimes I feel like I do the older people, and they're not as popular <laughs> as like the cool, young, hip crimes. But this story... Uh, this story... <laughs> this story is very on-brand... For both of us, yeah, I think. Anyways, it really is. okay. So Bob Crane was an actor, though he was probably best known as an act uh, for his acting career. So, um, but he was born July thirteenth, nineteen twenty-eight, in Connecticut, where he spent pretty much his whole childhood. In junior high school, he took up the drums and he started. I thought this was super fucking nerdy. He started organizing local drum and bugle parades in the neighborhood. Bugle parades. <laughs> yeah, uh, and then. So he kind of started, he thought he'd be a drummer. That was his goal. He wanted to be like the next Buddy Rich, who was like a big band drummer at the time. Um, I, I, do you have feelings on drummers? Because I find them very irritating. <laughs> Here's the 
thing about drummers. In theory, very hot. In practice, literally when they're practicing, I want to fucking kill myself. I think of drummers as like every kid I knew who had ADD and their parents put them on the drums to get out all of their yes. energy. And then they regret it. Yeah. And then that, that yeah. So when I think of drummers, I think of that. I'm sorry. I, I'm sure I have some followers and people who listen who are drummers i'm sure i would like you no, but the, dr- the drums are great yeah. i'm just saying i don't want to hear you practice right so anyways um in 1949 he you know married his high school sweetheart and uh terzian and they had three children robert deborah and karen um so at some point bob actually when 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 music kind of shifted from big band dance, you know, where the drummer is really important. Right. Anyone who's been irritated by the swing scene <laughs> knows there's like a certain beat per minute you want to hit when Desi you're dancing. Just had right? a flashback. Yeah, um, and then it kind of switch. It's kind of switched over to crooners, which was like not a dance oriented music, right? Right. So he kind of wasn't as into that, um, and he started working in radio. Eventually, he got. He was really popular. He's like a very charming guy and a great kind of radio host for the time. He was really funny and witty and all of that kind of stuff. Um, eventually, he got a gig at CBS Radio hosting their morning show, and it was a huge fucking hit. So it was kind of like a, a radio show at the time that you want to think like maybe like a morning zoo type thing, but like not as irritating. He had uh, like games and he would have um drumming bits so he kind of used his drumming bits and then just chatting and like little bit you know little like sketch kind of bits and then he would also have big celebrity guests like Marilyn Monroe, Frank Sinatra, Bob Hope so it was like a big time uh show and his show quickly topped the morning ratings and he became the king of Los Angeles airwaves so kind of like Howard Stern is the king of all media (laughs) he was the OG Howard Stern right he's the OG in more ways than one. He's even more OG than Howard Stern. We'll find out. <laughs> I'm so excited. So, of course, as with anything, what he really wanted to do was act. Because <laughs> you're in L.A. and you're like... You see the You see the radio. Stars. You're like schmoozing with these people. But you're still not as cool because you're only radio. Right. What are we? Podcasts. So we're even lower than radio. Right. <laughs> we <laughs> get we're, it. We're way cooler, though. So what happened was he kind of started using his connections that he would you know, have these famous people on his show. Um, eventually he had Carl Reiner on his radio show and he kind of schmoozed Carl Reiner into giving him a guest appearance on the Dick Van Dyke show, which is a very big show That's at the a time. Very big deal. After he was on the Dick Van Dyke show, Donna Reed saw him on that and offered him a guest shot on her program. And that actually turned into a recurring role. The Donna Reed show. Yes. Which was also a big, big show at the time. So he was doing his TV show and his radio gig simultaneously until, um, I think, 1964. That's when his agent came to him with a lead role on a new show that would start filming in 1965. Here's a a quote from his agent. (laughs) Bob, have I got a script for you. Prisoner of war camp in World War II, Nazi commanders, German shepherds, gun towers, the whole strudel. The, the whole strudel. I mean, this is a quote from his son Robert's book about his dad. The whole strudel. The whole strudel, which is like, come on. Yeah. Uh, thanks. And then, so, you know, obviously you, you hear Nazi Nazi show, you think drama. Right? right. You don't think comedy. Right. So, you know, according to the son, Bob said, thanks, but I want to do comedy. I want to be Dick Van Dyke. I want to be Jack Lemmon. I'm not a dramatic actor. The agent says, Bob, what are you talking about? This is a comedy. These are funny Nazis. Remember all that (laughs) shit that just happened literally 20 years ago? Right. Comedy is tragedy. (laughs) Plus only 20 years. And then, you know, this is like before life is beautiful. So in 1965, he started filming um, Hogan's Heroes, which is actually... Um, a show that I watched when I was a kid. Not when it was on. It was like reruns. On Nick and Night? I don't remember what it was on. Just like before cable had like a million stations, you just watched old shows, right? Look, like back Bewitched in our day, we and watched like I Dream all of the Genie old shows. And like all the old shows were yeah. just on cable. I watched I think them I used to too. watch on like TBS and TNT would like have Brady Bunch and like all of those kind of old shows right. were in syndication. Back in our day. Back they, in our day. We got to see all those shows. Yes. When we only had black and white TVs. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> so... Uh, I did watch Hogan's Heroes, but I don't really have a strong memory of it, but I remember liking it. And I did remember thinking that Bob Crane was kind of cute. He is kind of cute. So the show was an instant success when it started airing in the fall of 65. Um, 
it actually had he actually used his drumming again in the opening credits the uh, theme song has like a, a snare drum part and, and Crane played bob that crane. that's bob crane uh the series lasted for six seasons and crane was actually nominated for an emmy award twice for best actor in a comedy 1966 and 67 it was on the set of uh hogan's heroes that he kind of started getting a little freaky. <laughs> he yeah. actually ended up having an affair with a cast member who played Hilda, who was Colonel Clink's secretary, like a sexy, you know, Swiss Miss type braided right. vix, German German vixen. Her real name is Patricia Olsen, but her screen name was Sigrid Valdis. And I don't know, it's like, was that just for this role <laughs> that you just right. got like this sort of nordic usually you make your stage name less ethnic Mm -hmm. sounding he divorced Anne in 1970 just before their 21st anniversary and he married olsen on the set of the show actually and then they ended up having a son scotty in 1971 and adopted a daughter later named anna marie so as i said before this is where he sort of you know he became famous yeah so he started getting freaky with the ladies (laughs) wherever you want to put it you know, he was very popular guy. This is not some seedy gross perv. I just want to make that clear. He was very popular. Everyone on set loved him. Uh, no one has anything bad to say about him at this point. He wasn't like a creepy perv, but he was a creepy perv. <laughs> he, in, in, in private, he had this dark secret and he was kind of a sex addict before that was like, he was right. David Duchovny before, <laughs> like he was a sex addict before it even was considered a thing. Like, right. So it was sort of on the set of Hogan's Heroes that he really started doing these things that I'm going to get into in a bit. In fact, his wife, Patricia, she's quoted as saying, from almost the first day on the set, he told me his hobby was photography. (laughs) I didn't figure it was landscape. He brought over a double thick briefcase and it was filled with like four rows of slides in a box about that big. I don't know what she's saying that big, but I'm guessing a slide box. And there were thousands of slides of there of of all the women in his life. So he was very open and proud about his conquest and even showed his potential, like a woman he wanted to like marry eventually. Can you imagine your significant other pulling out a giant box of photographs? I mean, I guess it's a good way to see what they'll put up with. Like, right. I mean, you got to give him credit for at least getting it out of the way. Right. And not like bringing it up after they're already in love with you. Right. That's (laughs) true. So he would basically videotape and photograph all of his, sexual ex- escapades um he had hundreds of hardcore polaroids and videotapes uh and it was during this period that fellow cast member richard dawson who you might know as the purr from family Feud, yes <laughs> introduced crane to a man named john henry carpenter he worked for sony and was kind of like an audio visual guy for the stars like he would help people set up their home video equipment which was a new technology at this period so i think most people were using it for like you know watching tv and setting up making home movies and whatever but bob crane obviously had a different interest the two of them became friends and kind of united in their uh sexual they were both kinky pervs so they kind of became best friends and just really started living swingers lifestyle like hitting up singles ads or whatever craigslist of the day was and going to swinger parties there's a quote from bob crane that is from uh john henry carpenter said that he said a day without sex is a day wasted (laughs) but you gotta like (laughs) it's kind of amazing right it's like a tweet one of us would do so basically crane would use his celebrity status to kind of attract women uh, Carpenter said that he, he he would say Carpenter's his manager and then Carpenter would videotape these sexual encounters for Bob Crane. Whoa. So that was like the little scheme so, they had going. So he was actually able to convince these women like, look, we're going to fuck, but my manager is going to be in the corner filming. Right. There's a bit of controversy about whether the women knew or not. Oh. According to Carpenter and Crane, every woman knew. I mean, they weren't signing... <laughs> You they know, weren't signing consent a release, forms right. or releases. And then there are some reports that some women did not know. But I bet you it was like yeah. a combination of both, yeah. right? So there's a lot a lot of people verify that this was going on because he showed them. So there's lots of quotes that I'm gonna go over right now. One of the people was Mark Dawson, who was the son of Richard Dawson. When he was 17, Bob Crane showed him some of these videos. Oh, that is such a pedo move. It's really gross, right? So 
According to Mark Dawson, he he's quoted as saying, he was carting a couple of videotapes in a Polaroid book. He went into the other room and then he called me in. Hey, come in. <laughs> you want to take a look at this stuff? The first 10 or 15 minutes, it was very interesting. Unnerving, I got to tell you. It was a little shocking to see Colonel Hogan au natural. Couldn't watch Hogan's the same way again after that. No. <laughs> um, and then he goes on to say, it was like, Here's him talking about what Crane's attitude was about showing these things to people. Yeah, It was like, wow, look at this one. Look at that one. I don't know if proud is the right word, but sort of, look what I got. She's a real winner, huh? Some of them were and some of them weren't. He was excited. He was happy about it. He was like a kid with a toy. Like he's showing them pictures from his trip to the Grand Canyon. Yeah, it's just like, look at this. Oh, man, look at this girl's pussy. (laughs) Look what I got. Like, look at her bending (laughs) over here. Like, can you imagine? Like... It's so weird. A 17-year-old son of your castmate, okay? Well, that's what I'm saying. That's like the classic pedo move. Like, hey, right. you want to watch some porn together? But, you know, Not it wasn't... Not he was a pedophile. No, but, like, but it is like a grooming kind of like That's just... I technique. know that that's one of those techniques. Definitely, because you get them a little warmed up. Like, oh, okay, well, why don't we just both take our dicks out and start jerking? <laughs> like, that's <laughs> right. the next move. Like, hey, like, let's right. do this. Uh, it wasn't just his friend's kids, though, that he was showing. He showed his own kids. No. His son, Robert Crane... Uh, describes his dressing room on on the set of Hogan's Heroes as porn central. Robert said that he was only 16 years old when he visited the set of Hogan's Hero uh, one summer, and that's when he was exposed for the first time to his father's, he describes it, sex extravaganza. Uh, He also said it was with a woman who had been arrested in Texas for performing oral. (laughs) But she refused to do that on film, he said, and she did just about everything else before my unblinking teenaged eyes. This might have been my dad's clumsy Hollywood way of having a birds and bees talk with, with me, his coming-of-age son. But what strikes me now, looking back, is that his equipment-laden room was another in a series of tech-heavy habitats that grew progressively darker. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Yeah. But it's just kind of like, so his take on it, I guess, is like, Here's how I'm going to show you what sex is like. Like, watch your dad cream pie this a, actress. I think like, it's a little bit different than that. I think, I, right. I don't think Bob was ever doing this to try and explain to his son. What I'm fascinated is that the woman was arrested for performing oral sex, but then she refused to do that on film, but did everything else. Like, it's like it's like in Pretty Woman where she refuses to kiss. It's her, like she like, had a bad memory from giving a blowjob. So she was like, no, no. Or maybe she was like, I don't want to have that illegal act on film. Like, because porn was kind of illegal. It was kind of illegal. Right? Yeah, we talked about that in yeah. Wonderland. He actually, with the besides the sex aspect of it, he really did consider himself like an amateur photographer. Like he did take the photography aspect he of it, it seriously. seriously. Yes, he had a portable dark room that he set up in his apartment so he could quickly develop the still images that he took. I mean, this is before like digital, like he didn't have right. a phone. He was taking film was photos the and then developing them. And I guess he had the, the Polaroids also. Uh, according to his son, the red light was always on in my dad's makeshift <laughs> film processing lab. <laughs> Just like processing porn constantly. Jesus. Uh, once again, as after she found out even more the depth of what he was doing, cause he's cheating on his wife all the time. She was fine with it. So, Here's some quotes from her, which I thought were pretty hilarious. The first one is, he didn't lose his First Amendment rights when he married me. He loved having sex and he loved filming it. He never broke any laws. Nothing he did was unconstitutional. What? Like, okay, Patricia. <laughs> and then this one is fucking chef's kiss. <laughs> I know it sounds crazy. Maybe some people listening to me will think I am crazy. Bob used these women. He said, I wish when I finished with them, I could just push a button and they'd fall through the floor and disappear. Now, how could I be jealous of something like that? He treated women like the rest of the world treats toilet paper. Who's going to be jealous of toilet paper? (laughs) Whoa. Dude, that is hardcore. That is some, that is like. I was like, your husband seems more in like. He seems better adjusted than you That's what do. I'm saying. Like, like that is some hardcore rationalization right that's there. That's some intersexual competition. <laughs> wow. Isn't that insane? That's like you gotta do some real justification in your this head. This seems like if they were an nth degree more sociopathic, they would have been murdering these women. Right. Cause women, because she describes him as saying that they he wishes they would just fall through the floor and disappear. And then she calls them toilet paper. <laughs> I mean, I've never Describe someone as toilet paper, and I hate many people. <laughs> all, all it would have yeah. taken was was a, a bump to the head. And on these both women of them. did nothing wrong. 
I mean, it just seems crazy. Anyways, so eventually, in I think 1971, Hogan's Heroes was canceled, and um, Bob appeared in two Disney films, one of called one of which was called Super Dad, which cracked me up for some reason. <laughs> he sure is. And then uh, he actually purchased the rights to a comedy play called Beginner's Luck, and he began touring with it as its star and director. At the same time, he would do guest spots on a ton of TV shows. Eventually, he even had his own um, short run with a Bob Crane show. I think that only lasted 13 episodes. Um, there, was, there was some talk that sort of the reason his career really started dying down is people started uh, talking about his sex obsession. And it started getting out there. And no one wanted right. to tie their name to a star who might be busted for some, you know, pervo whatever shit and especially because he was so wholesome on screen like he was this good guy he was doing disney movies and it in the film and tv work just kind of dried up he did like do a funny a few funny things that i want to mention he taped a travel documentary in hawaii that was one of the things he did that was in 1978 and he also did a canadian cooking show called celebrity cooks (laughs) neither of those things actually aired because they um well, we'll find out why. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the celebrity cooks thing was actually part of the movie um, Autofocus. Did you see that movie? No. Okay, we'll get into that later. But his regular gig was this dinner theater thing. Like, so he's traveling in the country doing this play that he bought the rights for. His friend John Carpenter switched jobs, so he become a nat- he became a national sales manager at Akai, which I think is like an audio type company. And the reason he did that was that he would coordinate his business trips to be in the same town as Crane's dinner theater schedule so that they could still go out and get pussy together (laughs) and like keep up their videotaping of women. Um, He really does have a sex addiction. Right. So like he literally rearranged his whole career just so they could keep up this filming uh, and picking up women and filming them at the hotel or whatever. In June of 1978, Crane is... um, in Scottsdale, Arizona, and staying at the Windmill Dinner Theater. It had like an apartment complex attached to a a dinner theater. And he's performing the play, Beginner's Luck. Mm -hmm. Okay. So this is June now of 1978. He's uh, in this Winfield Place Apartments. On Wednesday, June 28th, 1978, he did his performance and signed autographs for fans in the lobby after the play he returned to his apartment with john carpenter um they were about to head out on the town but before they did patricia called bob patricia is his wife i don't know if you remember or Mm -hmm. secret and according to carpenter the couple had a really huge loud argument on the phone that didn't stop these two they still went to the local bar and they had drinks with women who they arranged to meet back at the house at about 2 a.m the quartet went to the safari coffee shop in scottsdale on scottsdale road and then about a half hour later according to john he left to pack for his um trip back to la john left john left he left the um, apartment where Bob was staying to head back to LA because mm-hmm. you know he had his job. He was just he was just there for some carousing for the weekend, <laughs> right or whatever. So um, the next morning, Bob's beginner's luck co-star Victoria Barry would knock on the door of his apartment at around 2 p.m. on June 29th. The door to his apartment 132A was closed but it was unlocked. Barry entered the apartment and found the apartment was completely dark. Uh, she's quoted as saying, at first I thought it was a girl with long dark hair on the bed. Because all the blood had turned real dark, I thought, oh, Bob's got a girl here. Now where's Bob? And then I thought, well, she's done something to herself. Bob has gone to get help. At that time, I recognized it was blood. It was like a strange feeling. So upon closer examination, she realized what she was seeing was real. She said the whole wall was covered from one end to the other with blood, and I just sort of stood there, and I was numb. Bob was balled up into a fetal position, lying on his side, and he had a cord tied around his neck, which was tied into a bow. So at that point, Victoria runs screaming from his apartment. Um, The police were called, and they came, and, you know, they confirmed basically what she was saying. He was he was lying on his right-hand mm-hmm. side atop this queen-sized uh, apartment bed or hotel bed. He was only wearing boxer shorts and a wristwatch. He had an electrical cord 
that was, like I said before, tightened around his neck. The pillow was basically up, like straight up behind him. Mm-hmm. Um, there was two gashes right above the left side of his head. And then there was like a fan of blood across the ceiling. So clearly he had been On like... On the ceiling? Yes. He had been struck with something and that there was like blood spray. splatters, right? The wall behind the bed was covered in blood. The nightstand lamp was covered in blood. Human tissue was on the wall. The bed sheets and pillowcases were soaked with blood. And this is my favorite part. I mean, as far as murder, I realize that no part of a murder should be your favorite part, but I do like this part. Semen or sexual age gel. I love that it was age described gel. as sexual age gel was stuck on the victim's left thigh. And then there's a quote from the assistant to the medical examiner who was collecting specimens. And he said, what that's going to tell you, what's that going to tell you besides he had a piece of ass? <laughs> very professional. That's very, very professional. professional. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Okay. So at that time, the Scottsdale Police Department was like a really small police department. They actually had no homicide division. So they really weren't prepared to kind of handle this high profile murder investigation. The crime scene, besides all the blood evidence and stuff like that, there wasn't a lot of clues um, other than the fact that there was no evidence of a forced entry and there was nothing stolen from the room as far as they could tell. So they could kind of determine that it wasn't a robbery motive. Also, Bob was attacked I think they believed while he was sleeping. So it also wasn't like a heat of like a passion, a heat of passion passion type of thing, according to their initial um, findings. Um, They did. They did start to think that he was struck on the head with a camera tripod. So that was like what they were thinking he was hit with. I think there was one there and then they sort of deduced that one was missing it wasn't the one that was there though there was one missing based on like what they found um so they kind of immediately jumped to the fact that the killer was someone that crane knew the medical examiner put together a chronology of what he thought happened in the course of the murder he said that while crane was sleeping on his right side the murderer struck a deadly blow to the left side of his head with some type of heavy blunt instrument that they think was the tripod a camera tripod a second much lighter blow crushed in his skull and that's probably what killed him then for some reason the murderer uh, tied the electrical cord around his neck, but he was already dead, so that was nothing that was, you know, killing him. That that wasn't like a cause of death. But it was just able, sort of after the fact. They were able to confirm that he died from the head injury. Yeah, and not it was the, the second not strangulation. Yeah, right. Um, before the killer fled the scene, he wiped the murder weapon with the bed sheets, and that's why they were uh, like so much more bloody, and they. And like soaked with things and they're smeared on right like it was smeared um and then they pulled the sheet up over his head two police officers described the apartment as a very passionate murder scene the fuck fuck? i know um so part of the passion might have been the fact that they found a lot of the sex stuff right in the apartment um, approximately 50 pornographic videotapes were found at the apartment. The photography equipment that we mentioned before in the bathroom, things were developing, <laughs> like things were hanging Whoa. up, like in the shower, developing. A negative strip was found in the enlarger. Like he had a whole little fucking I love studio. That even when he's on the road, he's still got to develop. He his is pictures. passionate about his craft. Okay. <laughs> um, there was like, and the negative strip revealed a woman in, in both clothed and nude poses. And then they also found a, a huge album of the pornographic pictures uh, once again. So he had it all with him. So 
when Barry was giving her statement to the police, she was in the kitchen of the apartment. His wife. No, this is the woman who found <gasps> oh, him. Oh, I'm sorry. The actress. The woman, right, uh-huh. right. So she's sitting in the kitchen of the apartment. While she's sitting there giving her, you know, statement of what she found and, you know, all that kind of stuff, John Carpenter calls. She pick, They have her pick up the phone and he instructs her not to say anything that's happened. Um, during the phone call, at some point, the detective takes the phone to talk to Carpenter and, and kind of gets his story about what happened from him the night before without giving him details of, of what, what happened. Of what Or that even Bob Crane was dead. Right. Like they didn't sell him anything. Right. So according to this phone call, Carpenter said they were out until 1 a.m. And then later he changed that time to 2.40 a.m. He then went on to say that he drove himself to the airport later that morning for his return flight to LA. Um, And then Carpenter said he did call Crane's apartment again at 3.30 p.m. Lieutenant Dean is the name of the um, detective. He mentioned in his report that he found it odd that Carpenter never asked anything about the incident or where Crane was. So he didn't even ask any questions about what was happening or was Bob Crane okay? He was just reading off his, he was just reciting statements basically. I guess he was just saying his, it's like one of those things where cops always are like, and it's very interesting how they never asked, is my wife okay? Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And they like right. deduce that that's all meaningful. Right. Um, anyways, so the call was suspicious enough to this guy that uh, they had Carpenter's rental car impounded and searched. So when they had the car searched, they did find several blood smears And those were tested and determined to be type B blood. So this is before DNA testing. All you could get was like a blood type, right? So type B was the same type of blood as Bob Crane's. Um, Carpenter's blood is type A. And type B is actually a very rare blood type. It's only found in slightly more than 10% of the population. So, you know, the fact that Bob Crane's, the same type of blood as Bob Crane was found in the car was automatically suspicious. Um, although, like I said before, it wasn't like a great, you know, gotcha moment <laughs> because right. it blood, it's still just a blood type. It's not like DNA, DNA evidence. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was enough for them to make Carpenter basically their prime suspect. They, um, they basically said he's the only one we can find who has the means, opportunity, and physical strength to have inflicted the fatal blows. but they weren't sure about what the motive was. There's a few things that they kind of came upon. They initially suspected that Carpenter was gay and that um, he felt spurned by Bob Crane in some way. Right. And the videotapes on these videotapes they found in the apartment, it showed things like Carpenter making love simultaneous to the same woman as Crane. So there was some kind of borderline. So they were having a three-way with one Yeah, chick. yeah. Um, and then there was also a rumor that Carpenter had borrowed 15000 from Crane, and Crane was demanding repayment, and he couldn't come up with the money. Um, according to Bob Crane's son, Robert, he's quoted as saying, my dad had told me that Carpenter was becoming a pain in the ass, that he was planning on ending the relationship with him. Um, and then, like I said before, he also sort of confirmed that he thought Carpenter was bisexual and in love with Bob Crane and then reacted to, um, him ending the friendship like a spurned lover. Right. Um, there was a few other people that could have been suspects. Um, one was a fellow actor who at some point, I guess in Texas had argued with Bob Crane and I guess in that argument, he swore vengeance, (laughs) but I mean, that happens all the time. And then also like. All of the boyfriends and husbands of all these women they were fucking, it could have been like right. he had tons of men who might have wanted him dead right. after finding that he fucked and filmed and, their wives. Right. Because he wasn't being like, oh, only single or prostitutes or no, you know, whatever. No, to fuck whoever. Exactly. But they basically didn't have enough evidence. So they never, um, they never arrested Carpenter for the crime. Okay. That was until... 1992 so this is 14 years later yeah. or so yeah so in 1992 Scottsdale detective Jim Raines um he started re-examining the evidence from that case it was just kind of like a little personal pet mm-hmm. project that he became interested in because it was a big star who got murdered and no one knew what happened in a very bizarre right. way 
uh, he persuaded the county attorney to let him reopen the case. And they actually had sort of like DNA testing at the time, but I think it was like in its infancy. Cause we know with the OJ, yeah. that was like what? 94, 94. Yeah. So this is 92. And so they had this new DNA testing, but I think it was still like, uh, like, I don't think people knew how to interpret it today. Right. So he tested the DNA in that was found in Carpenter's rental car and it came up inconclusive. Um, he also at that point just like was looking over um, photographs of the car and he noticed a, a piece of brain tissue that was never reported initially in the car, in the car. Right. So if there was tissue samples taken, they had been lost at that point, but the judge, an Arizona judge um, ruled that this new evidence was still admissible and in June of 1992, Carpenter was arrested and charged with Crane's murder. Wow. So in 1994, the trial was going on. And that's kind of interesting because I was like, maybe this is why we never heard of it. Or really, because yeah. the OJ thing was just all... That was dominating. Yeah, and it probably, maybe it would have been a bigger story. Right. Uh, otherwise. But anyways, so at the trial... Crane's son, Robert, testified about what we mentioned before, that Crane had expressed a desire to end the friendship with Carpenter. He described Carpenter as a hanger-on and a nuisance to the point of being obnoxious. He said that his dad didn't want Carpenter around anymore and that Crane had called Carpenter the night before the murder and ended their friendships. Or their friendship, sorry. Carpenter's attorneys basically attacked the, the case, the prosecution's case, because it was all circumstantial evidence mm-hmm. still at this point. And even the DNA testing was inconclusive. So right. it's like their one little thing was still, eh. Um, and then they brought, in, they brought in a lot of witnesses from the restaurant where the two men had dined that evening that said they were getting along like gangbusters, <laughs> like that kind of <laughs> stuff. Um, they also, at this point, the murder weapon was never found so it was still all speculation. So they didn't even have like a tripod murder weapon. They didn't. Right. It was all speculation that that's what it was. Um, and then they also they also disputed discovery of the new evidence, the brain tissue, and just said basically it's kind of like very similar to the OJ. It's like we're gonna trust the sloppy police work after all this right. time. Like nothing was done correctly because it was like a new. Like I said before, they didn't have like an official homicide department, so nothing was really done by the book in Scottsdale. They in didn't Scottsdale, have, right. right? So nothing was done by the book. It's like the OJ thing also, where yeah. it was like, well, I think that the OJ thing they really did everything right, but that was the tactic they used. Right. But in this case, it was actually kind of true. Um. And then they kind of went into the the assumption that, you know, he's videotaping, photoing off all these women in comp- compromising positions and that it was very likely he could have been, you know, being blackmailed um, or he could have been blackmailing these women. Like right. you wouldn't have no idea. Right. Uh, so he kind of brought up all back. the he brought up all the angry husband, boyfriend kind of defense right. as well. Um and then he also brought up the actor I mentioned, too. So he had, you know, some good things. Uh, Carpenter was acquitted. And then he continued to maintain his innocence until he died four years later in 1998. And 90, 1998, okay. sorry. Um, and Robert Crane. The son. The son. He kind of didn't believe it. He thinks that Robert was guilty. But he did kind of go on a, he speculated a bit that Pop, it was possible Patricia Olson might have had a role in the crime. And he's quoted as saying, nobody got a dime out of the murder except for one person, and that was Patricia, because she was the only person who got any money in his will. None no of the kids way. did. Right. No he way. left the entire estate to Olson. Wait a minute. Uh, <laughs> so wait a minute. I just have something to say about this. Those poor children had to see pictures of his naked <laughs> asshole and him fucking lots of different random chicks, and they didn't get any money from his estate? Right. That's a fucking ripoff. And then, so he goes on, and this Crane goes on to say that Patty actually did make money off of Crane's memory, that she would sell crime scene photos, she would sell copies of the autopsy report, and she would sell the triple X rated photos and videos of Crane with women. Um, 
for a fee of $19.95 a month. So I don't know like, what the hell. She also marketed t-shirts that had images of Bob Crane having sex with women on them, which I kind of fucking want one of those t-shirts. I, t- I, I want to wear them to the gym. I absolutely want one of those t-shirts. But also, what is up with this woman? She sounds like Dude, the biggest right? psychopath. Holy shit. So according to the district attorney at the time, Rick Romley, he said they never really thought of Patty as a suspect and they were convinced that John Crop Carpenter murdered Bob Crane and yeah. basically got off, right? Okay, so now we are cutting to November 2016. So this goes up to pretty recent. Mm-hmm. Um, the Maricopa County office in, in November 2016 let a Phoenix television reporter named John Hook submit the 1978 blood samples that they they got from the rental car, uh, from Carpenter's rental car, and they let him use a more advanced DNA technique than the one from the early 90s. And then he actually got those results and then had like a a press conference where he would reveal the results live Whoa. on TV. And this is another thing. I'm like, how did I miss this? Like, but where November was I? 2016. Yeah, that was only like a year ago. But there was some other shit going on. Oh, that's on true. In <laughs> I feel like. This case is always getting the shaft from bigger news stories. I know. <laughs> so, um, you know, so everyone's there, including Bob Crane's son, Robert Crane, or Bob Crane Jr. So Hook is like, you know, revealing these result, results, and he said, so he's making this pronouncement, and he says, the DNA found on the door of John Carpenter's rental car is not from Bob Crane. The test actually picked up two DNA profiles. A major contributor is from a man whose identity is unknown, and the second DNA, DNA profile is um, partial profile and was too degraded to reach conclusions. So there was the blood. The blood was from a completely different man, but they just don't know who it was. And there was some blood that was inconclusive. That's a but it wasn't weird, Bob Crane. That's a weird coincidence. Right. And then... And it could have hypothetically not even been from an incident involving Carpenter because it was right. a rental car. That's right. So Crane's son is actually was captured during the reveal. He, he mouths, wow. <laughs> wait, wait. I need to find that gift. I know. Me too. And then he afterwards said that he was really surprised by the news because it basically cleared Carpenter... And added more mystery because it's still an unsolved crime. And he said that he was shocked right now because pretty much everyone was convinced that John Carpenter did this, but they just didn't have the evidence. It sounds like he did it. But he didn't. Wait, is the wife still alive? (laughs) Uh, No, she died of lung cancer, I think, a few years after this She could have hired a hitman. Who knows, right? Honestly. Okay. So as mentioned earlier, in 2002, there was a movie based on Bob Crane's life and death called Autofocus. It's directed by Paul Schrader and it starred Greg Kinnear. And I remember when this movie came out because it was Greg Kinnear had been like a talk soup. Like he had done some acting, but he was basically a comedy guy. And this was like a, his first dramatic role and everyone was like shocked by how great he was in it. And he is very good. It's a good movie. This movie kind of took the, um, Bob Crane was a church-going, happily married man who kind of fell under the excesses of Hollywood and became a television star, Matt Carpenter, and then they just became these deviants and descended into this life of BDSM, sex addiction, and all of this nonsense, right? So the basic plot of Autofocus focuses on the friendship between these two men, and Carpenter is played by Willem Dafoe. It's a really good performance. Um... And this also kind of takes on, I mean, this is before Carpenter was officially really cleared. So they're still, they're still operating under the idea that he did this. So they really play up this end of the friendship, unrequited love storyline between Carpenter and Crane. Um, There's a really funny scene in it that I actually was, when I was doing my research, I (laughs) was watching it. I actually was looking up Bob Crane sex scenes or sex tapes or something like that because I was trying to see if I could watch them right yeah and then I saw one that had the title and I was like so excited and I was like scared to click on it because I was like I don't know do I want to see this (laughs) and then it ended up being this scene from the movie so I watched it again recent like just the other day and the scene was really funny because they would watch these tapes afterwards and like jerk off to them oh like watch themselves having sex but jerk off together and in the scene Bob Crane notices something and he keeps rewinding and he's like your that was your finger up my ass 
Oh my god! And like in the scene, Carpenter is just like, yeah. I mean, that's like an orgy. It's a free for all. Like da da da. And Crane was really no homo about it. Like he's like, I thought that was the woman. And I don't know amazing. if it's true, but it's like a really funny fucking scene. So according to Schrader. I love I saw this quote from him and in the in the article I read it says Schrader lighting a cigarette <laughs> and this is the quote that he said Crane and Carpenter got get involved in conduct that probably neither would have done alone um, and it um, it's my wait in the movie they have like a scene where Car- Crane and Carpenter are masturbating to the videos um, and I don't know if that's necessarily true it might have been an invention by Paul Schrader and he calls it his Norman Rockwell moment. <laughs> And he says, you know, Carpenter was not as important in Crane's life as he is in the film. It is a distortion. My intent with autofocus is not to be true or definitive. People's lives are actually not that that interesting. I don't know, man. And with Crane, I wanted to get something meaty. Otherwise, who cares? Would you want to watch a movie about Alan Hale? And that's the skipper from Gilligan's Island. And it's like, if he was doing this shit, I would. Like, if I he really... was, like, jerking off with Bob Denver or Gilligan. <laughs> I really don't think there's any comparison here between the two at all. Bob Crane did, by all these accounts, have a really bizarre, it's a pretty interesting life. interesting life. This isn't just some rando TV star who got yeah. involved, went to too many parties. Okay, so we've talked a lot about Robert uh, Crane, Bob's son. son. There was the son from the second marriage that I mentioned briefly, Scotty. Okay. Scotty was not fucking happy with autofocus. And this Whoa. shit is hilarious to me. All of the stuff that's coming up, I fucking live for. Okay. So he really challenged the accuracy of the movie. He was fucking livid. <laughs> so here's a quote from him. During the last 12 years of his life, Crane went to church three times. Like, that's what he was mad about. He's like, he was not a church going. <laughs> Man. Oh, whoa. So he yeah, was mad. he's mad and he said he was a sex addict long before he became a star i love that this is what he's mad about I so he was it. mad that crane was portrayed as this family man when he was always a sex addict okay like my dad was always a piece of shit right um there was no evidence that crane was into bdsm uh and then a heart and then uh schrader actually did admit that the bdsm might have been based on his own personal experience <laughs> That's I love Schrader like literally awesome. doesn't fucking care. Um, and then he's Scotty also claims John Carpenter and his dad didn't become friends until 1975, but they were on the set of Hogan's Heroes together, according to everybody else. Uh, he also said that he was recording sexual encounters from as early as 1956, which is like 10 years before Hogan's Heroes yeah. started. Uh, and then Scotty Crane calls the movie, is the movie called Auto Fiction? <laughs> That's his big joke. Sick burn. <laughs> uh, and then he said, Schrader's idea is to make my dad dark. Let's make him seedy. Let's make him like a Travis Bickle from tra- Taxi Driver. <laughs> uh, so he was really irritated with his dad's portrayal in the movie. Um, he did say his dad was like a happy, lucky guy. Like he was a charming guy. So what does uh, Scotty do? He creates a website oh wait oh before i say that like there is some there is some sort of ulterior motive going on here um he and his mother were shopping a script about bob move bob crane's mo- life like a movie script about it right and then that that kind of was dead in the water the minute paul schrader started sold his script yeah and then the brother robert got twenty thousand dollars to be a consultant on autofocus so there is kind of this thing where he's he got screwed over right. basically in his mind. He's sore about it, right? But it, but it's like Paul Schrader is like an amazing filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Like no one cares about fucking Scotty Crane. I'm sorry. <laughs> the other complaint was that he he felt that Bob Crane was portrayed more as a like a creep or pervert rather than the sexual dynamo he he was. Wait a minute. This is the son. Wait a minute. So the son. Okay. <laughs> Because I'm, I'm being taken on a roller coaster with this yeah, kid. Yeah, sorry. First, first, the son, from my impression, is that the film didn't portray his dad dark enough in terms of this is a guy who was not... No, it portrayed him too in. dark. But okay. then it was like, yeah, he's complaining. Basically, he wasn't a church-going guy. And you're I making feel it, like I feel yeah. like when you do the narrative of like, oh, they were, they went, they used to go to church, but then they got sucked into the evils of Hollywood. Basically, whatever it was, he wasn't happy with. Like, if he... He was a church-going guy. That bugged him because he wasn't that. But he wasn't also a dark, creepy perv. He was a good, fun-loving, cool... It was consensual, kinky sex. Yeah, yeah. So he just wasn't 
he wasn't fucking happy. And he was like, and my dad was an excellent lover. Right, exactly. So in June of 2001, uh, so this is like slightly before the movie came out, he launches a website called bobcrane.com <laughs> that has a yes. paywall where you could find photographs and outtakes from his father's sex films, including, and also his autopsy report that proved... <laughs> According to him, that his father did not have a penile implant, implant as stated in autofocus. Right. So the, his other big complaint is that the movie said that Bob Crane had a penis implant, and he was like, "My dad's dick was real." <laughs> How dare you? How fucking dare you? First of all, no one has penis implants anyway, so I think that's really funny that. Paul Schrader that's such a like a little kid's idea of like and I then know he, and then he made his penis bigger my dad's dick was real <laughs> so on Bob Crane like I've mentioned some of the things but it was like really graphic shit like women performing you know Wait, oral his sex son is his son is no his son is posting these videos of his dad like getting oral sex and orgy shots oh um my God. two girls fondling each other like so like all this kind of shit and it was like once again it was like 1995 a month and it was like all you can eat buffet my dad <laughs> um and then he even was selling a snow globe of himself naked wait 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 scotty wait, wait. And a, a, you could buy a snow globe of scotty naked like inside a snow globe that was like something you could buy on the website as well. Like, like Scotty what a, Crane. Scotty Crane naked in a snow globe. Why? I have no idea. So according to Scotty, sorry, his dad would have loved the website. And my mom agrees. He says, <laughs> she says that if he could see that his sex life is a worldwide phenomenon, he'd be so happy. Um, <laughs> Dude, this family is This family nuts. is cemented. I think if my father were alive, he'd be running the site himself. Bob Crane was very talented, very gifted, and a great father. And he had a very large penis. <laughs> this is a direct quote. By the way, I don't only resemble him from the neck up. All Bobby has to do is drop his hands and I'll be able to tell if he was really Bob Crane's son. Maybe he's afraid to let me see. Is this guy like what? fucking for real? So he wants his bro his half-brother. He wants to measure dick sizes He wants with to him. basically measure dick sizes with his half-brother to see who's the real son. <laughs> I love that he's like, here's how I'm going to prove I have a huge dick because my dad had a huge yeah. dick and, you know, we don't just resemble each other from the neck up. Right. This guy's insane. Oh, my God. So Schrader is actually pretty amused by Scotty because we're all fucking amused Who by would Scotty. Not be amused so by him? here's some things that Schrader has to say about Scotty, which is I also. This, is this Scotty Crane? I just looked him up on IMDb. Oh, yeah. He's kind of hot. Okay, we'll show you pictures of him. Yeah, we'll post pictures of all these people. So here's a quote from Paul Schrader. Scotty has a couple of things on his mind that never get on get off of his mind. One of them is the size of his father's penis. <laughs> but Wait, what can you, what? This is a quote from Paul Schrader. About but, Scotty. About Scotty. But what can you expect? Bob once took Bobby to the opening of Deep Throat after a baseball game. He acted like that's what people do. Scotty. <laughs> Bobby does not see his father's behavior as perverse according to bobby my dad never showed me movies of himself he showed me women with other guys i thought it was neat i was watching the new video technology as a male we can watch naked women in our house that's cool bobby pauses he did show me <laughs> photographs i'm sorry of a threesome he had with patty and another woman i guess that could be considered weird <laughs> I love when someone's midstream defending right. something. They're like, "Well, uh, I guess maybe." Now that I say it out loud, so this is the this is that's the other brother, the first from the first Robert, marriage. and Robert. so he's kind of they're both kind of defending their dad's sexual appetites, which is fine. Like I agree, but like, come on, when you're starting to show your kids those things, that's where I draw the line, right? And the I, fact that the thing that draw the line that was across the line for him was like when it was my stepmom and you in a threesome that's I mean, like i i don't i don't think there's like i said before when we were talking earlier about movies that are appropriate for children to see i don't think there's anything i think it's way worse for your kids to <laughs> no see. sex movie <laughs> i think it's way worse for your kids to see violence in movies than it is to see a film where it's like two people who are have a love scene and it's a love right. scene do you know what i mean and there's right. nakedness in it but that's a lot different than showing your kids a porn and watching a right. porn with your kids because that's meant for arousal there's no narrative right. there 
Well, as someone who watched porn with her dad, <laughs> it wasn't even in him. It was very demented, exactly. even when he wasn't in it. Like, right, he wasn't in yeah. the porn, but you still had to watch porn with your dad. Yeah, so it's crazy. Uh, <laughs> so according to Schrader, they also negotiated for six weeks with Scotty and nothing satisfied him. So they did try to kind of get his approval and take in his opinions. Before on, the film was even released. Right. He said that he wanted the truth to be known, and I didn't quite know how to respond. Part of his truth is letting people know that daddy had a big penis. <laughs> That's what truth means to Scotty Green. <laughs> so. <laughs> because then they'll know that I have a big penis. Right. I mean, it is demented. I have never heard this much talk about, like, can you even imagine being worried that your dad was forgotten oh. for that reason? <laughs> I mean, it's just so crazy. I swear to God. And oh, I didn't even want it. Um, so, and I'm going to just end on this last quote from Bob Schrader because it's pretty great. Bob Crane doesn't really matter. He's not important. I never would have been interested in him. He's just a great way to make a point. And his family, such as they are, keep making that point over and over again. I used Bob Crane as a metaphor the, for the corrupting influence of even minor celebrity. And his family have fleshed out my premise. They are the movie. Only like Bob, they don't know it. <laughs> Jeez, that's dark <laughs> it's really dark but it kind wow. of makes everything yeah amazing and i, I do want to watch the film again because i haven't seen it since I it came too. out um but yeah so that's I've the never... story of bob crane and his family is demented like dude can you just imagine his first wife being like who dodged a bullet there seriously i mean that was his childhood sweetheart oh my god and then you can kind of tell the difference between the first kids or at least the guy robert because there's yeah, not Robert's much, uh, a little slightly less demented. Right. And it's these are the sons. So he, all the other kids were girls. So I, I mean Oh I my mean, god. So Bob had like at least one good quality that he didn't show his daughters this shit. I just <laughs> hope that the girls are somewhere on Twitter tweeting nasty shit right. all a Desi somewhere yeah. that they made it over <laughs> the other side. Right, right. You know, that would be like such a happy ending. So I just love this kind of sibling rivalry and it's all fucking cock cock swinging cock measuring kind oh of bullshit God. i just love that scotty crane is obsessed with his dad's dick it's really weird like you'd think you would know enough to at least not admit to being obsessed with your dad's dick <laughs> like just picture him looking at it see right there you can see how fat it is there's no penile. like just right. imagine him like treating it like a zapruder film and you know what <laughs> like, i saw a picture of bob crane's dick it's Desi fat showed it to me it is a very fat dick it's a fat it's dick. a nice looking dick it's fat if you like fat cocks um I'm a friend to of mine actually he uh texted me and he's like i'm not going to call you out on twitter but there's no um pornography with bob crane it's all been taken off the internet and then i sent him that pic and then this morning he's like i just opened that up at breakfast <laughs> <laughs> he was in a restaurant Good. eating breakfast and i was like don't fuck with me like i don't just make jokes about fat dick i take fat dicks very seriously i take them scotty crane seriously <laughs> but you know what I'm going to get that fat dick. What does Scotty Crane care <laughs> if anyone else has a fat right. dick? Like He's not going to get it. Fucking Scotty. Here, I'm just wondering how we can... We'll, we'll, Desi and I will talk about how we can post that image. We can't post it on Instagram, obviously. We can tweet it. We'll tweet it. We'll put a don't open this at breakfast. Anything from us should be don't open this at breakfast. I kind of agree. Oh, we can't put it on Instagram, right? No, but we, we can tweet it. We'll tweet it. We'll tweet it. We'll tweet it. It's it's pretty hilarious. We'll do one of those. It's a montage that, or a collage. That, do you know that tweet format that's like open for a surprise? Oh, God. Where you open someone's picture and it's something cute, like a little doggy in the background. Oh, God. We'll do that, but it's Bob Crane's dick in the background. Or it's scroll a, up to make the dick fly. Oh, I don't know how to do that I technique. Either, it's like magic to me. It is magic to but me. But yeah. So yeah. I mean, that's the story of Bob Crane. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I just want to give a shout out to we got like a few new patreon contributors today and i was so happy about that um as always giving a shout out to uh ron jeremy because he's actually a friend of mine and he has donated he upped his donation this week and when i saw that i was like are you kidding me yeah that's crazy it's like, crazy sweet. you're not getting a tip pick but i love you <laughs> so thank you that means a lot to me um we also got one today from uh heather heather and uh -huh. we, we talked to heather today earlier um do you remember who else contributed today? i don't have the list in um, front of me anyway if you want to become a patreon contributor i'm sorry oh wait we got one from mark oh right mark and aaron mm -hmm. 
we mentioned a uh, Frederick, our My, bud what up, Frederick. Frederick. <laughs> we know Frederick IRL. <laughs> um, we also have from Chad and Dave, Marissa. I, I we actually sold out all of our ten dollar pledge. Um, which is really exciting yeah so we're gonna be talking 30 minutes with these people this month i guess that's right i'm excited yeah so i talked to chad briefly uh about that this week um we chatted i we we don't we got to figure out a time to schedule uh when we're gonna be doing these but check out yeah check out our um social accounts all hollywood crime scene and let us know what you'd like to see as perks. If you have any ideas, yeah. If you have perk we, ideas, uh, we're we're open for suggestions. And we're actually working on even having a second episode per week, like a mini sode. We so are. we're trying to figure out the best format for that. And right. then we have our bonus episodes on Patreon, and those will always be exclusive to Patreon. Yes. But we did give a teaser one out today because we had a technical issue. <laughs> but we are going. <laughs> but we want to re- show right. those. Those episodes are awesome and funny. Right. We think. But you guys really. Th- that's the one episode our regular listeners will get access right. to. But our Patreon contributors have access, have to, access, all access of those. to all the episodes we've released. But we will be um, in the future. Hopefully, we don't know. Maybe by next week, we'll be releasing two episodes of Hollywood Crime Scene per week. Uh, a regular long episode and then a mini a mini episode probably on I don't know Wednesday or something but we'll right. figure it out we'll figure it out but cool exciting yep. thanks Yay. guys thank you bye. bye flexibility is great that's why there's yoga flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too that's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com.